good evening, folks. Number 20, number 28 in the red, number 28.
stand on that. But, um, Brother Jimmy. Why don't we go ahead and all stand real quick and we'll open with prayer. Uh, Brother Jim, would you open us in prayer, please? Amen. If you will, uh, open in your, your Bibles to John chapter 11. And before Reese says anything, front of John, the first John in the book. Not first John, but John chapter 11. So, uh, John chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 1. And this is a really familiar passage to most of us. But uh, I've been kind of thinking about this, man, for probably several months, you know, and so... Uh, Hopefully it'll be a blessing um, and uh, as we go forward. But let's start in verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Mary, or and her sister Martha, sorry. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, then after that saith he to his disciples, Let's go into Judea again. His disciples said unto him, say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he after that, he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but though they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Let's pray. Father, we uh, come to you this morning, we, or evening, Lord. We just thank you for the day you've given us. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here in your house. Father, pray that you'd, your, the message that you've given, Lord, will, will go forth, Lord, and Father, that you'll make it clear. And Father, we pray for our pastor, Lord, as he's away from us. Pray that you'd be with him and Miss Mindy. And as they're at the missions conference, uh, let them be a blessing to the folks that are preaching to there. Father, we just ask that you be with our prayer requests that we'll utter up later. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, you know, tonight I wanted to look at this very familiar passage of Lazarus being raised from the dead. But I want to probably look at it something like totally different than what most of you have ever heard. Look at it from a different perspective than just the miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead. I want you to look back at verse 14 where we ended at, and look what it says there. Then Jesus said unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I want to say to you tonight, if you're sitting here tonight and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're dead. 
You know, and you can try to pretend that you're all right with God and everything is fine, but if you do not have Christ, you are dead. You know, uh, Romans 6.23, we know that one, and you know, but as I was thinking about being plainly and about death, I was thinking about that, this passage, and I'm going to kind of talk about some things <clears throat> that, uh, that we see, you know, characteristics, if you will, of death or dead things or uh, everything, but I want you to look at Romans 6.23 first. We know this one, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, and sometimes we, as, even as Christians, we forget that, you know, even though we're alive and raised up, man, we can act like we're dead. We don't live for Christ like we ought. We don't do the things we should. And I want us to talk about those things. And so, you know, um, but in order to get there, I want us to see, uh, uh, you know, Get my premise down a little bit, if you will, and go to James 1. James 1. James chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 14. It says, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You know, and as I was thinking about this, if you will, if you give me a little bit of liberty. Uh, can we say that sin is equal to death or sin and death are, you know, the same? Because if you, if you are in your sin, you die. Sin causes death. And so as I was thinking about this, we're going to talk about kind of sin and death and, and using those as kind of the same thing tonight as we kind of look at this. So uh, go back to our text in John chapter 11, John chapter 11. So... One of the very first things that we notice here in, in our text is, you know, can, can I say this? Dead, dead things stink, right? How many of you guys have ever had a mouse or something stuck in a, in a wall? Or you've uh, had something dead stuck somewhere? They stink. You, several years ago, Waka, my big dog, he, uh, he was chasing a squirrel, and he came to bring it in to me. And I told him, stop, Waka, you know, and... When he, I told him to drop it, well, before he dropped it, he chomped it, you know, and so it did not make it, you know, poor squirrel. And so I threw it away in the trash can, didn't think a lot about it. Only thing was trash didn't come for another, another week. So imagine what that squirrel was smelling like that entire time. Dead things stink, right? And we can see this here. Go to John chapter 11, look at uh, verse 39. It says, Jesus said, uh, Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead for four days. And, you know, I'm telling you, you know, as I was thinking about death and I was thinking about how dead things stink, you know, one of the things I got to thinking about, remember our premise, death is equal to sin. Sin stinks. You know, know, if you're sitting here and you're not saved, take a good whiff of yourself. You stink. You know, I, I don't want to be, you know, too mean or anything there, but, you know, you're an odor in God's nostrils. But because of de- the because of cause of death is sin, you know, and we're using these interchangeably, if we have unconfessed sin, we stink. You know, and we can try to shower, we can try to put on the good clothes all day long, we can try to act like Christians, but if we have that unconfessed sin in our lives, we stink. Our sin is an abomination to, our, to the Lord, and our sin rises up as a stench before his very nostrils. Go with me over to Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65. 
you'll see kind of this here um, kind of kind of uh, demonstrates this. But I, in Isaiah 65, <clears throat> we're going to start in verse 1. It says, I sought of them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, Behold me, behold me, unto a nation that was not called by my name. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good, after their own thoughts. A people that provoketh me to anger continually to my face, that sacrifices in gardens, and burneth incense upon the altars of a brick, which remain among the graves, and lodge in the monuments, which eat swine's flesh, and broth of, of abominable things in, <clears throat> is in their vessels, which say, Stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. These are a smoke in my, in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. And I was, as I was looking at this passage and I was applying this to dead things stinking, God is telling us in verses 1 and 2 that he's here waiting on us. You know, and so many times we sit there and, you know, I, I, we're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing fine. But God says, no, I'm waiting on you. I want you to come to me. He says, you know, I want to be found. I want you to seek me. And, you know, as I was thinking here, you know, he's telling us he's wanting to welcome us into the fold. He's wants us to have fellowship with him, and he's extending an offering to us, even though we're not walking in a way that is good and right. But then in verse 3 and 4, you know, he shows that, you know, our rebellion is provoking God to anger because we continually walk in our sin. And as I was thinking about us, you know, a lot of times it's easy to continually walk in sin and do those things that, you know, we, we call them our, our, our little habits or our, our little things like that. And, you know, these, these sins are a stench to God. You know, and, and God is, is angry because, gets angry because we walk around in our sin and we don't regard him. And, you know, that verse 3, it talks there continually. Look what it says. A people that provoketh me to anger continually. You know, I don't know about you, but how many of you sometimes have children that provoke you? To anger continually, you know. Um, I, you know, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, you know, we we provoke God to anger continually just because we don't follow His commands. We just don't serve Him the way we should. You know, as, as I was looking here in verse four, look what it says in verse four: "Which remain among the graves and lodge in the monuments." You know, you're remaining in your sin. You're remaining where these dead things are. You're remaining there, and you know these words. You know, they're, they're, they're talking about that continuous state of sin, even after God continually reaches down out of his hand. You know, and I was thinking about applying it to us tonight sitting here. You know, we're sitting here on a church on a Wednesday night, but how many of us have sins that we don't have confessed? How many of us have issues going on in our life, and we can sit here and we can act just like perfect good Christians and there's things going on in our life that, that, that is affecting us and affecting our relationship with God. Look what it says in verse 5. It says, these are a smoke in my nose. And so I had to kind of, I, I, was, I was kind of looking at this up, and I was studying this out, that smoke in my nose, an irritating smell. How many guys like having smoke in your face? You know, how many guys like having that smoke just follow you around? And, you know, as I was thinking about the, that irritating smell, you know, living in continuous sin is an irritation to God, and, and it, it stinks. Especially, you know, when he looks down and he sees, you know, 
that we're his children and we're still not following him. You know, and as I, as I was thinking about, about this, you know, I, I, go with me over to Isaiah 64, just a page over. You know, you'll know this passage, but Isaiah 64, it says in verse 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. You know, as I, as I was thinking about, you know, that our righteousness being righteousness being as filthy rags, got to thinking about this as useless. And I mean, I don't want to go into what filthy rags means, you know, because it is pretty nasty if you study it out. But, you know, I was thinking about, you know, filthy rags stinky. Any of you guys have, are mechanics or anything like that. My dad, when in the shop, he, his filthy rag bucket was a had a big old five-gallon or ten-gallon bucket that he threw his grease rags in. I'm telling you, that stucker stunk, you know, I mean, and, and I, I hated it, you know, but, and especially when it was my turn to have to clean it out and do away with it. But, you know, so many times we try and we justify our sin and say, oh, it, our sin's not as bad as somebody else's. But you know what? All sin stinks before God. All sin stinks. So, you know, the very first thing we see back, go back to John chapter 11, very first thing we see is that death and our sin, it stinks before God. There is, you know, there's, there's nothing beautiful about it. And we can try to, to parlay it into to being, you know, uh, something healthy, something beautiful, something that's not bad. But when it comes down to it, our sin stinks and it's, it's nastiness and it's reviled unto God. But go to, back to John chapter 11. One of the things I want you to see about, too, is, you know, the second thing that death or sin does causes separation. You know, back in our text, look at John chapter 11, look at verse 17. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave four days already. You know, and as I was thinking about this here, you know, I was thinking about being in that grave for four days. You know, that means that someone that is dead, they're not here with us. You know, and... uh We've all had loved ones that have passed away, and their death, that causes separation. You know, and, you know, we, yeah, we can go to the grave, and we can mourn, or we can go here, and we can go there, but that death causes separation. And, and as I was thinking about us as far as our sin, our sin causes separation. You know, because we can't always be in good fellowship with each other, with, you know, our spouse, with our kids, when there is sin there. You know, and one of the ways we see that death causes separation, you know, go to 2 Samuel with me. 2 Samuel, kind of jumped ahead a little bit of myself, so I apologize there. But 2 Samuel we see here, Second Samuel chapter 12. <clears throat> In this passage here, you know, we, we know this one here. This is where uh, David had, had lost his, his son, but... You know, in a verse, starting in verse 20, it says, David arose from the earth and washed. This is after he'd been told that the child was, had passed away. And says, anointed himself and changed his apparel and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then his servant said to him, what thing is this that thou hast done? When, when didst when thou, when thou hast done? Thou hast fast and wept for the child while it was alive. But when the child was dead, thou did rise and eat bread. 
And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God be gracious to me that the child may live? But look what it says in verse 23. But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. We see that death causes separation. And, you know, David here, after this child had died, he said, I can't get him to come back to me, but I can go to him. And we all understand that death causes separation. But remember, our sin causes separation. One of the very first things I want you to look at, go to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. And we will know this passage when we, when we get there. But, you know, as I was thinking about our sin causing separation, what it says in verse 1, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. I, you know, as I, was, as I was thinking here, you know, God can still hear. God is still there. And he says, I want to hear from you. I want to reach down to you. But look what it says in verse 2. It says, but your iniquities, look what it says, have separated you and your God. You know, a lot of times, any of you ever feel like you don't have that good connection with God? You ever feel like you, you're just, you're not there, and you're like, I don't know what's going on. First thing we've got to look at is our iniquities. Is our iniquity, is our sin causing a distance between us and the Lord? You know, it says, look what it says there, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. As I was thinking about this here, you know, I was thinking about our iniquities have separated I can think of times before where, you know, when I was a kid and I'd done something wrong. It did happen, believe it or not, you know. But, you know, mom or, or dad would be angry with me. Man, you didn't want to talk to him. You, there, there was a separation. I remember one specific instance was uh, I was getting ready to travel for work. And uh, there was something going on between my mom and me, and I don't remember what it was even. But she went to drop me off, you know, because I didn't want to leave my car. And uh, she said, uh, even though I'm still uh, I'm mad at you, I still love you. You know, and, and as I was thinking about that, you know, that, that our relationship hadn't been right, you know, because of something that I had done. And, you know, as I, I sit there and I think, you know, our, our relationship causes that separation. Or our sin causes that separation, you know, when we're not in that right place. And as I was thinking here about our sins separating us from God, our iniquities have separated us, and, you know, we, we can't see God's face. And I, 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 was, I was really just, you know, really thinking about this, you know, as I was preparing, and I was thinking about how many times do I check my sin issue when I feel that separation between me and God? Or is there something else? Do I try to blame it on something you know, do I try to blame it? Oh, well, the, the pastor, he didn't preach a good message. Or do I, you know, so-and-so looked at me funny at church or, or whatever. But no, you know, a lot of times those, those connections are, there, are, are lost because of sin. Uh, go to the Psalm 66. Psalm 66. In Psalm 66, verse... <clears throat> Verse 18, it says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And as I was thinking about the, that word regarding and holding, you know, any of you ever just sometimes just hold on to your sin because you're just a little bit stubborn? 
Is that just me? You, you hold on to things and you say, you know what? This isn't that bad. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to hang on to this. And you know what? Nobody else even has to know about it. But we hold on to that sin. And then, you know, we wonder why, why we have separation between, between God and us. It's because we're holding on to our sin. You know, one of the things that we, we see here is uh, in um, Genesis 3, we can see another place where, where sin caused separation between God and, and man. And you go to Genesis 3, look at verse uh, 22. It says, And the Lord said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God, look what it says there, sent him forth from the garden of Eden to the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Adam and Eve's sin caused separation between them and God. You know, and a lot of times, you know, we, we like to sit back and say, well, you know, I could, have, I could have handled it. You know, I could handle this sin. I'm sure, you know, Eve, she was sitting there saying, well, you know, that, that piece of fruit isn't that bad. It looks good. You know, and Adam there with her, he says, you know, um, yeah, it's not too bad. Let's, let's take it. And then I, they, they took it, and then they, they were like, that separation caused them. Sorry about that. But they, they had separation that caused them to to sin that caused the separation between them and the Lord. You know, and, and it drove them from the presence of God. And, you know, there's no way back unless you are born again. Go to John 3, 3. This here is, you know, Nicodemus talking with Jesus. And Jesus tells him, you know what? You're separated from me. You're 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 gone. There, there there's a distance between us. And he says uh, in John three three, it says, and Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. Look what it says there. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, and, until we get our sin confessed, until we get our our relationship with God right, there's going to be that separation, and we can't, we will not see God. But then I got to thinking about. Our sin doesn't only sometimes separate us from, from the Lord, but our sin also separates us from each other. You know, and as I was thinking about how many times that we think our sin only affects us, but our sin can, can affect our relationship with our spouse, our kids, our church. It can have a, you know, a, a, a terrific or terrible effect, if you will, on our, our testimony, and it causes separation among God's people. Our sin can destroy a life. It can destroy a testimony. It can destroy a church. Go with me over to Matthew 18. Matthew 18. Look at uh, <clears throat> verse number 15. It says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. 
You know, as I was thinking about this verse 15, though, a lot of times, you know, we, we kind of don't follow that formula there, right? Go tell his brother. We, you know, go telephone. We go tell anybody else. And, you know, it says here, you know, if we will we'll, we'll confess our sin to our brother and he hears these, it's going to, we'll gain our brother back. Verse 16 says, but if he will not hear thee, look what it says there. Then take with them one or two more in the one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. In verse seventeen, to me, it's one of the saddest verses here. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, look what it says there. Let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. You know, let that sin that nobody thought about. Can, can destroy a church. It can destroy a family. It can destroy a relationship. You know, so, you know, we saw that our sin stinks before God. Our sin causes separation, or death causes separation. Go back to John chapter 11, John chapter 11, and this one here, every one of us knows, but John chapter 11, look what it says in, uh, we'll start in verse 31. John chapter 11, verse 31, it says here, <clears throat> the, the Jews which were then with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, following her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. When Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, saying, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which were come with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said to them, Where have ye laid them? Laid him. They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse thirty five says, Jesus wept. You know, and you know, everyone that has lost a loved one or has lost someone, they've had sorrow. And most have probably wept. You know, I know that one of the last times I really cried was when my mom passed away. You know, and that sense of sorrow was great. And in, because of her salvation testimony, you know, I have that hope to see her again. But again, you still sorrow. You still miss. You know, and sin and death cause sorrow. You know, in John eleven thirty five, we see that, John chapter 11, verses 31 through 35, we see that Mary was weeping over Lazarus. Jesus wept. And as I studied that out, you know, I don't really believe Jesus necessarily was weeping because Lazarus was dead because, you know, he could raise him from the dead. But I think he was weeping because his friends, you know, were, were upset. I think he was weeping for the unbelief of the people there. And, you know, remember back at the beginning when I told you that if people are lost, they are dead? I wonder how many times we as Christians view, Christians weep for the unbelief of this world. You know, and as I was thinking about, you know, death, sin causing sorrow, how many times do we really weep over those that are in their sin? How many times do we weep over our own sin? Go with me to Psalm 126. Psalm 126. Verse 1, it says here, 
When the Lord turned again to, to the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, wherefore we are glad. And you know, as I was stopping and I was thinking about us, those that are sitting here and that we're saved, you know, verse 1 talks about the Lord turning our captivity. You know, I don't know about you, but the, the day I got saved, my, my life changed. And, you know, that captivity that I was in was done away with. But the sad thing is, though, sometimes even as a, a saved man, a saved person standing here, I still kind of fall into that captivity of sin because I fall into those sins and those habitual things that keep going and going. And I live in captivity sometimes because of my sin, and that causes sorrow. Verse 2, it says, our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. You know, again, you know, great things. But look what it says in verse 4. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Verse 5, it says, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, and as I was thinking, you know, most of us know this passage. And as I was thinking, how many times do we go out and sow with tears? How many times do we get on our knees and pray for those that are lost? How much of a burden do we have for lost souls? In verse 6, it says, he that goeth. And I wonder how many of us are, we read the verse like, he that stayeth. You know, we sit there and we, we, we don't go forth and we don't weep. We don't bear precious seeds. We, we stay where we're at. We stay in our comfort zone because it's where we're comfortable. You know, how many of us are bearing that precious seed? You know, we can't sit by and think that this is something everybody else can do. We have to be going out and moving, on, moving the gospel, especially, I mean, how many guys have seen what's going on in this world? You know, we know our time is short, you know, and do lost people really break our hearts anymore? You know, does their sin and the fact that they're dead in their sins break our heart? Go with me to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians Second Corinthians chapter 7, in verse 9, it says, Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorrow, sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you, for you were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. You know, and as I was, godly sorrow can work repentance. And, and, you know, does death cause us to sorrow? Does sin cause us to sorrow? You know, and the thing I noticed in this passage is that there are two types of sorrow. Godly sorrow that worketh to repentance, and then worldly sorrow that worketh to death. You know, and, and when I kind of was thinking about worldly sorrow, I kind of thought about we feel sorry for, but don't do anything about you know, it's like when a, a parent tells one child to tell their other child that they're sorry. Any of you ever had to tell your kids, tell your brother you're sorry? I'm sorry. You know they didn't mean it. They're just saying it, right? And, and you know, that's the thing. They're, they're not sorry that they did it. They're sorry they got caught. And when was the last time that we cried over a lost soul 
and that we had true sorrow for somebody that is lost. When is the last time we had so deep of grief over someone being lost that we cried out to God? You know, our sin causes sorrow, and any parent, pastor, you know, youth worker, anybody that has had to counsel or deal with sin, ask them. It causes sorrow. When you see the brokenness of people, when you see how, how sin has ruined their lives, it causes sorrow. You know, and, you know, sin causes that sorrow. Go to Psalm 31. Psalm 31. Well, and I wrote down the wrong verse. Oh, well, I hope if I was in Psalm. There we go. Psalm 31, look at verse 9 and 10. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Mine eye is consumed with grief, yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity, and my bones are consumed. You know, sin can cause sorrow. And as I was thinking about here, as you read through this here, you look at this here. First off is we need mercy from the Lord. You know, because how many of us like to admit we're in trouble? How many of us like to admit, you know, that we, we, we need help? It says, have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. Look what it says there. Mine eye is consumed with grief. You know, and as I was thinking about our iniquity and, and, and being in trouble, how many of us are consumed with the grief of our sin, grief of the sin of others? You know, it says, my life is spent with grief, my years with sighing, my strength faileth because of my iniquity. You know, and as I was thinking about us, you know, sitting here tonight, you know, our sin, our, our grief, our sin causes death and it can cause grief. You know, just like death causes grief, our sin causes grief. But, you know, one of the most amazing things about our passage, go back to John chapter 11, John chapter 11, is that we don't have to stay in that state of sorrow. We don't have to stay in that state of separation. We don't have to stay in that state of stinking, if you will. Because look what it says in John chapter 11. Let's look at verse 38. There, Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Verse 39 says, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha again said, The spirit, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, for by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus said unto him, Said I not unto thee that thou wouldest believe? Thou shouldest see, thou shouldst see the glory of God. They, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou, thou heardest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had said thus, he spoke and he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And, and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, Loose him, and let him go. 
You know, one of the things is we, we think about, uh, about death and sin. We don't have to stay stinking. We don't have to stay separated. We don't have to stay in a state of sorrow. We can see that Jesus is standing there at the tomb. We see the tomb where Lazarus laid, but most important thing we see is that invitation that Jesus gave. Look at verse 43, Lazarus come forth. You know, and as I was thinking about, about this passage, you know, could you imagine if Jesus just said, come forth? How many dead people would have been walking out of those graves? But that invitation is specific to each and every one of you. He knows you by name, and he's saying, come forth. Come, get out of your sin. Come, follow me. You know, um, as I was thinking about that, that personal, uh, that invitation, he's, he's inviting us to put away our sin, our death characteristics, if you will, and come follow him. Go over to Isaiah 1, Isaiah 1. And we know this passage too, but Isaiah 1. Verse 18, it says here, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat of the good of the land. You know, that's, that's the one thing there, you know, is getting us to be willing. Are we willing to follow God? Are we willing to be obedient? But look what happens in verse 20. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with a sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. You know, the thing I, I, I notice most, it says, come now. He's telling us the time is to come to him now. Gives us these two options. Come to him and bring our sin-stained selves. Uh, let him cleanse us, make us white as snow. Let us follow him into life, or we can refuse and follow this world unto death and destruction. God asks us to bring nothing but our nasty, sinful self, where there is no good, where there is no beauty, where there, and where even the good we think we are bringing is just nasty, filthy rags and exchange it for new robes of righteousness. Those things that we think, those things that we think we are something are worth nothing. God invites us to come. He invites us to come without delay, and he invites us to come to life everlasting. You know, turn with me to Roman, or Revelation 21, Revelation 21, and we'll be wrapping up. Revelation 21, look at verse uh, 4. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Look what it says there. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall be there any more pain, for the former things are passed away. You know, as I was, as I was reading this and I was thinking about this, God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. The thing I was thinking about, there shall be no more sin. There will be no sorrow. There will be no crying. Don't let our life be a, a stench in the nostril of God's. Don't let our sins separate us from God and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't let our sin be a source of sorrow. And the thing I love most is one day God is going to take and wipe it all away. But it depends on what side of the coin you're standing on. Are you standing in him or are you standing with this world? Father, we uh, 
come to you tonight, Lord. We thank you for the, the time you've given us, Lord. We thank you just for uh, giving us a church where we can come and worship you. Father, pray now.